You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So glad to be with you guys today, and uh, we're starting a new a new book of the Bible. We've uh, kind of worked through Proverbs, and uh, my kids were asking me that. Uh, you know, we just we didn't do chapter by chapter. If we did, it would be more like verse by verse, and we'd be a whole year in one chapter. And uh, so I'll leave that to somebody else who's a better preacher than I am to keep our attention focused that long. But we're shifting gears to Romans this morning, and uh, we're going to be here for a little while. I'm excited about it. It's the only letter of Paul's that I've never preached through. Honestly, there's only two or three books in the New Testament I've never preached through, and I've kind of held off on Romans for a really long time. It's the... Uh, it's really my favorite books, but it's just uh, it's just so good and so solid, and it's so in depth. I, I look at Romans. Have you ever seen a, a backhoe operator? You know what a backhoe is. You've seen those big yellow equipment. They have the big bucket in the front. They kind of look like a scorpion walking around. There's a there's a big bucket in the front, and out the back they've got this. Uh, uh, this hoe that's you know on the back side of it, and they're just—it's an amazing piece of equipment. I don't know if you ever watched a, an operator use it. They'll drive it into where they need to be, and then they'll spin it around because the hose on the back, hence back hoe. You know, it's amazing what great terms we come up with. It's really creative. And you spin the seat around, and they—you know—if it's warm out, they'll lower the window down. And the next thing they'll do before they reach out with that bucket and start digging in the ground is there's two outriggers. There's kind of these two legs on the back of the machine, and they will lower each of those down to give the machine stability. Because when it grabs a bucket full of dirt and then swings it, it has the ability to flip over and fall over and bad things happen. OSHA's not a fan. Your ER nurses aren't a fan. You know, it's just it's not a good day. And so those outriggers, those legs, give it stability. Well, Romans is very much like that for our soul and for our life. I'm excited to go through this because it is a book that it will create tremendous stability, not only in your relationship with God, but in your soul and in your life. And as we all go through life, and sometimes we do extend, and sometimes we do have things going on, and we kind of get a little off kilter or whatever, but Romans is just like that. It will put a foundation deep in our life. The Gospels of Jesus and the stories of Jesus are so accessible and we catch such incredible glimpses of who Jesus is and His winsome and His love and just little truths and it's kind of low-hanging fruit. And Romans has some incredible things, but it kind of drills down. It's kind of like the graduate level course. You know, when you were in college, you kind of have like the little 101 that just kind of scratches the surface and gets you going. But, you know, after a couple of series later, you're like, whoa, this is getting hard. We're kind of going down deep in here. And that's what Romans is. To be honest with you, that's why I've held off for so long and just even in my life preaching through it, it's just, this is just, this. there's a lot in here to unpack and I needed to feel like I needed to grow as a pastor. So I'm excited about it. So Look with me in your Bible, if you will, or on the screen if you have it. And uh, we're just going to look at the, just the introduction this morning. Romans 1, 1 through 7. So here's Paul the Apostle. He says this. He says, A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That's what this series is all about. Just the simple gospel. What it is and what it means in our life. And we're going to be examining it in depth and just incredible the things that we're going to find and bump into along the way. But he's set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh, 
and was declared, there's a difference, he was descended as a man, but he was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, or another way of saying the Holy Spirit, by His resurrection from the dead. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the Holy Spirit, and it was in power, and it was uh, according to or by the resurrection from the dead. And it's through whom, through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship. He's not talking about we, us here. He's talking about the apostles in general. We're, all, we're not all apostles. In fact, there's not an apostle in this room. Um, but he's talking about him and the other apostles, Peter and John and that kind of thing. He says, through whom we have received a grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Our salvation and our obedience and faith is not for us. It's actually for Jesus and for His glory. Including, and he includes in this, he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul could be writing to this about us. He's like, this is including you too who are called and you belong to Jesus. I'm writing to, in essence, in verse 7, he says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be saints. And here's my wish for you today, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts his incredible letter off to just, he's writing to the church, to the believers in Rome, and he's wanting them to have a, an in-depth, analytical process detailed from beginning to end of what the gospel is and why we need it and exactly what Jesus has done in our life and, and toward the end of the book, what that means and pragmatically how we live. And so he, he dives into the middle of that. And some of you love Romans and you, you like the thinking part of the faith. You like the detail and you like the structure of that. And you're like, whoo, this is going to be great. Some of you, to be honest with you, probably like the stories a little bit more. And you're going to be like, whoa, I like this, but wow, just, you know, we're... This is a lot of detail, but it's all God's Word, right? And God has written His Word for all of us, no matter what your, what your thing is. But this morning, we're just going to kind of dive into just what that simple gospel is. This whole beginning is really all about Jesus who came and died on the cross from, for our sins and rose again, and that, that victory that we have in Him. And so the first thing, there's just four things that He kind of points out in the middle of this there's actually more, but I've kind of lumped them into four to make it easier for us. But the first thing I want you to recognize is that the gospel is what qualifies our servanthood. It's the qualifier for us to serve. When we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't serve out of the incredibleness of who we are. We serve out of the incredibleness of His grace and His favor out of who He is, that we are His servant. It's this whole topic of these, these few verses is that gospel. And Paul introduces himself and he says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. He then brings us back to that same thought. He says, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a slave is what this word means. This servant is a voluntary slave. I'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, I belong to Jesus. He's got mine. He, his name is on me. I belong to him. I have my baseball mitt from when I was a kid playing Little League. I still have it. I could take you right to it where it's in the garage. It's a little small for me. I'm not, I don't have big hands as a man, so I've never bothered to 
spend the money to get a new one. But whenever I played with my kids, I would just pull that out. And on that, when I was a kid, I remember with my dad, we, took, we had like a little wood-burning thing, and we just wood-burned my initials into it, right? In fact, I think the old-timers in the room, if you're a baseball fan, I think it was a Reggie Jackson glove. Like, you know, it was like a Rawlings. Everybody had their signature thing, you know, that kind of thing. And so I've still got it. I had my initials. So that when you come into the dugout and every kid throws their glove down or wherever, you know, you just, you know, which glove is yours, right? If somebody else is sporting the same glove. Well, we belong to Jesus. We're His. We are His servant. And Paul says, I'm the servant that belongs to Jesus. And Paul then reminds us that every believer is in that same boat because in verse 6 he says, we are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, we all recognize that slavery in this human world is a bad thing, right? That is not a good thing. It is a bad thing. But we are slaves, we are servants of Jesus Christ. This word that Paul uses, this servant, is not the typical servant. It's not, the, it's not like the server who serves you at the table. It's not somebody who's waiting on you and helping you. It is the one who has voluntarily made themselves a slave. In Rome, there were two kinds of slaves. There were those who were involuntary slaves. Those were those who had been captured in war and brought back against their will, taken away from their home, removed, and in captivity all their life. We've seen and we understand that human traffic reality. But there are also a few, some, who are voluntary slaves. So the Bible, some of your translations may say bond servant. It's kind of a, a term that's out there. And these were people who looked at someone else and said, I want to be owned by you. I voluntarily make a choice in my life this day that I'm going to belong to you. Now, what person in their right mind would do it? You know, you're great people, but I'm not going to walk up to you and say that. You know, I don't want to be owned by anybody any more than you want to be. But with Jesus, it makes sense. Jesus is not austere. He doesn't do anything that is not for our own good. He's always looking out for our best interest. And it is the most incredible blessing in this world to say, I want to be long to him. And we do that for two reasons. And I guess I didn't live in Rome and I never got a chance to interview somebody like, why did you really go to that person? Like, I want to belong to you. The only thing that makes sense to me is kind of a twofold thing that they saw that that other person was so good and so incredible and their life was so bad and so miserable that their life would be better belonging to that other individual than out on their own. And that's exactly what it is for you and me and Jesus. We recognize that God is so good that we would rather belong to Him than we, we would be left to our own devices, making our way in this world, left to whatever we can possibly do, and we are so bad that we would much rather belong to Him. You see, it's this gospel that Jesus died on the cross for our sins that saves us, that changes us. But it's also that gospel that we respond to and we say, I want to belong to you. And it's what qualifies us for service. God wants us to serve him in our whole life, not based on just like, oh, you look like an incredible person. I want to hire you. I need you on my team. God doesn't need any of us whatsoever. But what qualifies us to serve Him 
It's the fact that He saved us and He forgave us and we belong to Him. We become a child of His and it's a blessing to do whatever He wants us to do. Whatever menial task in life, it is a blessing because we simply get to do it for Him. Whatever great thing we do in life is not great because it's great in this world or I get to do big things. It's great because we get to do it for Him. You see, what this means is with you and me, the simple gospel is that we belong to Him when we receive Jesus as Lord of our life is, is that our whole life is lived out for the benefit of God. The commonality of all servants or all slaves is, is when they wake up, whether it's human trafficking, the harsh reality of that, or whether it's a picture that we're talking here, somebody voluntarily uh, giving themselves to another. But when we wake up, our day and agenda is set by God, not our own. We are not free agents to go just do whatever we want in this world. That we live for another. We dedicate everything in our life. Now that's a little intimidating and challenging, but ought to be exciting to a degree because what that means is you head out into your day, whether you're going to work and working your job or whether you're going to, I don't care whether you've got the day off or going to go have fun or if you're going to school and you're a student, that means that you are there as a servant of the Most High God, living out your life, fulfilling His plan and His game plan in the world. And you are His ambassador, His emissary. You are a servant of the Most High God. And it takes the mundane, ordinary, the frustrating, and the headache, and the pain, or whatever it is that you're dealing with in, in your regular world, and it changes it. Because it's something that you do for God, under His leading, under His guidance, accomplishing His will and His kingdom in that world. So our service is a result of just simply the gospel of what He does in our life. This gospel qualifies us and puts us in that relationship that we re respond by faith. We respond to Him. Now, there's a two-way to that, and, and we're going to have time to unpack so much more of this as we walk through Romans. This is it's, it's funny, this is kind of an introductory to even the whole letter, but there's so many just key things in here. But we respond to the gospel, but it's God who does the calling. Paul says, I'm, I've been called. I've been set apart for this gospel. I've been, I've been determined that this is my responsibility, and God has called me to Him, and that's what God does with us, that we are called by God. We respond to God. But we really, we are responding to His call, His summoning to come and be His child. Not just an invitation, but a, a summoning to His court, and if it were, as it were, and to, to Him. And we respond and say, Lord, I know You called me, and I know You're commanding me, and I know that is an order, but I gladly am willing and am willing to do that. As you know, we have cats at home, and uh, our cats like food. I've just discovered they are easy. You know, cats are nocturnal creatures by night. They'd rather be out from, like, sunset to sunrise, and they'd rather just kind of sleep all day. And so really, even though we all, we've all we domesticated cats, they still kind of prefer to be out at night, which is why I'm a bad cat parent. My cats are in the basement every night. They spend half their life in a small dark 
basement. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, you are a bad cat dad. And you're right, I am. And I don't care. Because I don't want my cats running around the house at night doing whatever they're going to do. I don't want them, they're not allowed in my room when I sleep because I don't want them batting my eyelids or doing, I don't want any of that nonsense. I want to sleep. And they're just going to have to deal with it with their little brains. And they do. All right. But my cats, even though they'd rather be out at night, they are suckers. Come near, come sunset, we get them in because they're allowed to go out in the day. And all we have to do is say it's dinner time. And we put a little food in that bowl and they will come running from anywhere under the sun. They want to be fed. We are calling them. We are commanding them in essence, if you can really command a cat, which you really can't. But we are saying it's time to get your rear end in here. And they're like, okay, we want to do that. That's kind of the way it works with Jesus. He calls us and he summons us. But at the same time, we recognize, yeah, I want to be there too. We are the servants of the Most High God. Let me move on. Second thing I want you to know, I'm going to have to move quickly this morning. Not only does the gospel qualify us for service, but it was also promised to us in the Old Testament. That's what verse 2 says. This is the gospel which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And he promised us concerning his son. So this is all about Jesus. I want us to recognize anytime you read Genesis through Malachi, the two-thirds, the first two-thirds of the Old Testament, it's all about Jesus. It's all about God not just predicting what's going to happen. God is more than just a foreteller, a future teller saying, here's what's going to happen. He's the one who's promising and saying, this is going to happen because I'm going to make it happen and I am making a commitment and a promise to you ahead of time. You see, I want us to realize this morning that even though we have this incredible relationship with God, it's not an after fact. It's not a something that God thought later on what He might do. It is something that He has planned for you specifically thousands of years before, promising and to bring it into your life. You are not an, an afterthought. I'm ashamed to tell you that after Susan and I got married, we got married. Her, her birthday is January 2nd. My anniversary is January 5th. We have, in my family, we have five, between Thanksgiving and basically New Year's, we have five of our birthdays, three of those major holidays and an anniversary. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of tired of just parties. I'm like, I've had enough cake. I've had enough stuff. Can we just kind of chill? And so the first year we were married, I forgot her birthday. No clue. Horrible. I, I really felt Horrible. I mean, I had no no idea. And God kind of does for us with our salvation what He did for my wife that day. We were we walked into Friendly's. We were in Bennington. I'm not sure why, because we were broke as could be, and we wouldn't have probably normally done it. I would love to have told you that, yeah, I planned her at dinner and ice cream at Friendly's, but that's not reality. And we walked into Friendly's, and I didn't notice it. I'm really thick, and you are too, but there was big, I don't know if somebody had a birthday party sign or somebody there was having a party, they were advertising to do parties, but in big, like, letters, shiny letters was, Happy Birthday, Susan. I still didn't notice. I was just, I mean, it's funny now, but it was horrible. I hurt my wife terribly, you know. We could, that was 30, whatever many years ago. And she told me, you know, just like, you didn't remember my birthday, but God did. And I just wanted to crawl in the ground. And, you know, I mean, like, there's just no recovery. I couldn't say, well, surprise, I brought you to Friendly's because, you know. 
I mean, I was done. God, here's the point. God never does that in your life or my life. Not once. You and I are not afterthoughts in His world. I don't care what you've been through or what's happened in your life or any of that stuff, but that never happens with God. God has always, not only just since you came into this world, been working and planning and, and toward you, but He was doing it thousands of years before. Before even time began, God was doing that. He promised us this gospel, and He promised us the things that we're going to unpack and the outriggers into our life. And so we are not an afterthought in His world. It was something that He's done, and He's done our whole life. Third thing I want you to know, this incredible gospel is the qualifier for our ministry. It's what brings us into a relationship with God. We'll unpack that, but it's really the point of our service that God calls us, and that's what brings us into the, the serve and to do the things that we do in our life. And it's uh, something that He promised us long ago, but it is a gospel is mediated by Jesus Christ, the God-man. You see, notice the Bible is just so so consistent. And here, Paul just so quickly and with such clarity and precision tells us exactly who Jesus is. He is, in verse 3, he says, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. In other words, that he is the lineage, the offspring, the DNA. If there were a DNA test back then, they could have traced the... Jesus taken a blood sample from him and traced his bloodline back to David because Mary was of King David. And as you know, that promise of the Old Testament, it's significant that the Messiah, the Savior of the world who would come, would have to be from the line of David that would establish the throne of David, not a temporary throne, because by, then, by this time when Jesus was on the earth, that kingdom had ended, the kingship had ended, but... He came to reestablish, and as we know, a spiritual kingdom that ultimately one day will be a physical, visible kingdom. And so that Messiah would have to be born of human flesh from David, and that was Mary. Now, Joseph was also of David. This was not first cousins, all right? This was not one of those deals. It was generations, you know, afterwards. But legally, as Jesus' father, not biologically, Jesus was biologically of Mary, but legally, David was also of David, so both everything was covered there. But fully human being, as you and me. When he lay in that manger that we celebrated last month, he had needs, he cried, he hurt, he was sad, we see him tired, we see him with all of the things that you and I battle, except he did it without ever sinning, we know. And Romans will unpack that. But at the same time, he was also God. So while he was descended human DNA through, from David through Mary, he did not descend from God. In other words, he's not God's biological offspring. Paul uses two very subtle but different words, and you kind of got to get your brain into it. Instead, he says he was declared... Not descended, but he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of holiness. And it was with the, through the resurrection from the dead. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, 
it was not him becoming something separate from God. Jesus was separate than, from David or Mary. He was descended from that bloodline. Jesus didn't just descend from the bloodline of God. He was not an offspring, something other than God himself. He was declared to be the Son of God, to be God the Son is what it's saying to us, that there was a declaration to this world as he walked on this earth that over and over and over again with power, that he was declared to be the Son of God, to be God who had come to this world. As he walked on water, he was declaring himself the Son of God. As he healed the blind, he declared himself that only God could do that. As he raised Lazarus from the dead, he declared himself to be the Son of God. As he forgave sinners of their sin, as he raised, told the lame to walk, as he fed the 5,000, as he ultimately, the biggest one, as he took upon himself the sins, our sins upon his back, and took upon himself the judgment of God that no human being could ever overcome on their own. But because he's God, he rose from the dead in power, declaring himself to be that which you and I could never be ever. That Jesus came and he, as the God-man mediated. He brought forward this gospel, this salvation that we receive and that we enjoy. And it's through Him, this gospel, that we receive that grace, that forgiveness of sin, that love that God has for us because He took upon Himself the judgment of God that we could receive grace, that we could receive that the gospel, the gospel being that Jesus died for our sins and He rose again, that we could receive that truth, the benefits of that, and Jesus Himself into our life. And that's the source of what Paul said, is that my whole ministry is God has called me to this gospel so that the nations could be called to obedience of faith, that the peoples literally, not countries, when we read that verse 6, we tend to think countries. We have a group of people from our church, we're going to pray for them after at the end of our service, and, and they're going to a country. They had to get passports and had to get visas and all of that to get permission to, to be allowed into that nation. But this word is not nations, it's, it's peoples. It's identities of peoples. It's, it's within each country there are different nations and peoples represented. And even in our own church we have that. And so this gospel that Jesus mediated was a gospel that was not just for one person, one group of people, or one political nation. It was for peoples all over the world that they might have obedience to the point of faith and know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This incredible thing that we get to enjoy was mediated, brought to us not by religion, not brought to us by anything that we do, but it was brought to us in a person of what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. The last thing I'm going to leave you with this morning is not only was it mediated by Jesus, the God-man, but this gospel today delivers to you and me love and grace and peace. Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says, to all those, not some, not a few, not a couple, but all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. He's not writing to every person in Rome. He's writing to every Christian in the church who are saints, who are the 
Saints are not people they make statue out of that the church declares to be special and to have done some miracle back when. That's not what the Bible says saints are. Saint, the word saints means holy one. Somebody that's holy. And nobody is holy based on what they do. We're holy because the gospel, because of what Jesus did, allows God to call us holy by forgiving our sins. He's this is what who people are when they receive Jesus. We become saints in the eyes of God, holy ones. And today, that same gospel delivers to you and to me God's love and His grace and His peace. We know, if you've been in church, in this church and other churches for a long time, we know that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Right? But what Paul is saying is, I want you to know that God just didn't love you back then, 2,000 years ago, and He didn't just love you the day that you received Jesus Christ or that you finally said, Lord, I want to be that bond servant. I want to become your servant. But He loves us today. And Paul is writing to people saying, they need to know, they need to have in their mind this morning and in their heart that the God of heaven loves them today. You see, God is delivering His love into your life this very morning. And there's some days we really need that, right? There's some days that we just really need that reminder. Truthfully, we need it every day, and every day is good. You know, men, turn to your wives and say, Honey, is there ever a day that I shouldn't tell you that I love you? I hope she kind of looks at you a little strange. Like, well, that, not only is that a weird question, but I always like to know that you love me. By the way, guys, if you're the guy that's like, well, I should never have to tell you I love you, I show you. Yeah, no, you ought to do both, all right? It's, it's both, boys, all right? Both. Show it and then prove it, you know. Prove it by what you do, but then say it by what you say. And here God is saying it. He shows it all the time, but he wants us to know. This is God writing to us saying, I love you. I love you. And this morning he's saying, Grace and peace to you. What is so cool is God didn't give you some little gift whenever you really received Jesus and you surrendered your life to Him. He didn't just give you this little vial of grace that you just kind of took in and, well, that's it. You used up your supply, right? You know, that's done. Maybe you got something at Christmas and it was... uh I don't know how this little routine started. All the health people in the room will hate this, but it's okay. It's Christmas, right? So I don't know how this started, but my wife will get, she'll get little like like Stewart soda, like the you know the specialty things or whatever, and so everybody kind of gets their one little thing, and and you know it's not like God gives us this little bottle of grace and you drink it and then well that's it. Every day there is grace that comes to us new and afresh. And is there. Because every day we need it. Every day we're sinners. Grace only comes to sinners, by the way. Angels don't get grace. Angels didn't sin. Those that did sin get no grace. They're called demons. Angels or grace only comes to people who are sinners. And so the very fact that Paul is telling us, you've got grace today, is also an admission like. Yeah, I need God's favor toward me, even though I am still messed up and still have trouble. Well, congratulations. God's grace is afresh for you today. Doesn't mean you need to be saved all over again. We don't lose our salvation, but it just means that God is working in your life anew and afresh. 
And towards you, God is bringing peace into your world today. Peace into your heart and into your life. Have you ever tried to drill a piece of thick steel? I don't know if you've ever done that. And, you know, you, there's, it's different. When you're drilling in through wood with a wood drill, the wood can get hot, especially if it's hard wood, you know. But your drill just goes through it. And you don't need any special lubrication or anything. But when you have a drill bit and you're trying to drill through steel, it creates such heat that it dulls the bit, it messes everything up, and it, and it, won't, it won't cut through. That metal won't cut through the metal well, so you have to put some oil. You have to lubricate it. It has to kind of loosen it up so it can cool it off, right? And you can keep drilling down. It's a slow process. Well, our life is like that a lot. Sometimes things get a little heated up. Sometimes we're the drill bit having to kind of drill through some stuff that it's a mess. Not a mess, whatever. And sometimes we're the steel, and we're having to like be the one. And, and it's just there's just friction and all of that. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying this. He's saying, guys, God in heaven is pouring down into the friction into your life whether it's friction inside of you, whether it's friction in your world, some lubrication, some grace, and some peace into your heart and into your world. And so I don't know in your life what exactly is going on or what's in your mind and in your heart, but the simple gospel that we're going to be talking about these eight, next eight months is a reminder that today, and tomorrow, and the next day, that the God of heaven loves you. Not just loved, loved you, past tense. He loves you. And actively bringing that into your life. And His lubrication of grace and peace is actively coming from Him to you today. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. And I need that reminder. So I don't know what God is talk to you about this morning from just these first few verses. Maybe you in your life have realized, you know, like, oh, I've kind of taken God for granted a little bit. We talked about that yesterday, men, if you were at the men's group. There's, I'm so thrilled. There's been, we've been averaging like 20 guys all along, and it's such good conversation. Just how we can have little areas of life. They're not necessarily sin, but we do them for ourselves and not for God. And we didn't talk about it in this way yesterday, guys, but that's what Paul is talking about. We're servants that belong to God. Everything, our life is for Him and it's devoted and committed to Him. Maybe you need to, needed to kind of think through that a little bit more in an area of your life. Maybe you need to be a reminder that you're not an afterthought of God. Maybe you just needed to hear that God loved you or does love you to this day and bringing that, not just loving you from afar, but bringing it tangibly into your heart and into your life. I don't know, but whichever of those and whatever God has kind of spoken to you, lean into that. Respond to that. It's something you just need to accept and to realize and then do that and to say thank you to God. It's an action that it needs you to cause and do. Step forward and take that action, but respond to Him. Because the Word of God is not something that we just read and go on like the news. It's something that God wants us to read and engage. It's Him communicating to us. And He wants us to think differently and believe differently and feel differently and act differently and speak differently. He wants it to change our life and have an impact today. So whatever that is 
I'm going to challenge you to take that step. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus, for that simple gospel. Thank you for your grace and your peace in our life. Lord, we all need that, every one of us. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you call us to be your saints. That you loved us long before we even knew you existed, before we were ever in this world. And then afterwards, when we kind of ignored you, went against you, and went 180 degrees opposite of you, you still loved us. And you still reached out to us. And you still called us to you. Thank you, Father, that you do that and that you've made us your own through your son, Jesus. We love him. In his name we pray. Amen.